Hi, Chris Felton here. Thanks for tuning in to my podcast. I'm so excited about my new show, Cultural Catalyst, where we help you to learn how to live fully alive, co-labor with God, and change the world. You can watch it weekly on my YouTube channel or listen to it here. Hope you enjoy it. And today I have Haley Braun with us. And you are a woman and a true. wife <laughs> and a mom of three kids. It's I great meant to say wife, right. but it came out woman. <laughs> I am a woman. That's you are a woman. I, in our culture nowadays, I guess we can make sure that you. we are talking to a woman. This is true. A beautiful woman. You have three kids. And you are, well, you just got, I would say, promoted or you took on the BSSM third re- third year overseer, but you've been with us 12 years. Yeah, I've been in school, so I've been in Reading 14 years, but been on staff nearly 12. That's that's amazing. And you're from South Africa. I am. Port Elizabeth, South Africa. Got to make the shout out for, for Port Elizabeth because everyone here is from Durban. So Port Elizabeth, I moved here when I was 22. And um, wow. yeah, been here for, I told my mom I was coming for nine months and I failed my mom. Ooh, you failed your mother. I did. That's not good. She forgave me because I was following the law. Well, I understand. And your man, is yes. your man from South Africa? No, he's you from. You know, I don't actually know the answer to that question. He's from Green Bay, Wisconsin. Oh, man. He's so, like a cheesehead. You know what? Actually, he's not a big cheesehead, but um, he's not? we won't get into football. He otherwise. doesn't like football. He does like football, just maybe a different team. But I feel like we could get get on the wrong Ooh, we, catalytic track. Yeah, we we actually <laughs> we could non catalyze. We could be a non catalyst. We could. So before we jump into all of that, we you're a prophet. This is true, according to you, definitely. Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should start this over. No, 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 well, no. You are a prophetess. Yes, I mean, you more. have a call of God in your life as yes. not just a prophetic woman. Yes, not just a prophetic person, but you actually had the government call of prophet or prophetess, and you are in our environment both as a, a leader and as a mom in our culture, as a matriarch, but also as a prophetess. Yeah. And um, I'd like to just touch on the prophetess part because I think that we see the fivefold ministry being really emerging right now. Like not just not just like the, the theology of it, but we actually see it, you know, emerging in, in the environments all over the globe. Yeah, it's really a very exciting time. And you know, we have this. There, we, we we've come out of we we not we Bethel. Uh, this wouldn't describe Bethel, but globally as a church, we're actually kind of exiting, well, women should be silent in the church. They shouldn't have authority for sure. They, they can't be teachers. And yet, the, yet there was several prophetesses in the Old and New Testament. Yeah. And so I'd like to actually talk about that. I think it's super interesting for people. Yeah. I'd love to see, uh, you know, leaders be inspired to, you know, inspire their women and in commissioning and, and raise up prophets and prophetesses. And so tell me um, how it feels to be recognized as a prophetess and what what is the practical role like, I'm the prophetess, you know? Yeah. What, what, think, what do you do? I think probably even me saying, well, you recognize me. Yeah. Wasn't me saying I'm not a prophet, but more probably like... I know, like, I was teasing you a little. Yeah, but I think just for people to know, I think... Oftentimes you have an inkling or a, a feeling of I, I probably am walking this fivefold gift mm. or I could be. Yeah. But actually really important that at some point you're called out and recognized by your leaders and usually by someone in that office or in yeah. the apostolic office that 
Um, and that doesn't mean you, you, you're you not. It just usually means like I had a journey where I started suspecting, oh, I think I actually might have this office in my life or I'm really prophetic, one of the two. But it was a season of faithfulness and obedience just to what the Lord had, had revealed about me until I was called out by my leaders. Um, I wasn't self-proclaiming uh, my title. Yeah. and so uh, I think that's really good. And so, but as a woman, I mean, I think... I think actually it's a more commonly received one that women can be prophets. And actually I've been in cultures where I wouldn't have been received as a preacher, but because I was a prophet and a female, I was allowed the microphone, which is a really interesting um, subject. Uh, I would say as a prophet, I'm not even sure if prophetess is something that's actually directly translated from the Bible or something we've changed for culture. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of just see myself as a prophet. Yeah. Um, I think the prophetess is us making room for women, which I highly value. But I think, you know, I've definitely faced challenges as a woman in ministry and uh, people having certain certain expectations of me. Frequently people, if I'm the guest speaker at a conference, uh, the, the, the conference people who are parking people, they, they will never expect me to be the one speaking. Um, which doesn't bother me at all. But you, you mean like not in Bethel, of course. No. But you you mean like in South Africa and places like that. Yeah, or? South Africa. When I when I travel to other conferences to speak, um, it, it's kind of like they'll be ushering my car to the back parking lot, but. I've got a, a reserved parking lot. I have to just remind them, oh, actually, I'm parking here just because. Oh, they I see the expectation yeah, is that you're not speaking. Yeah, they don't expect a young female to be a speaker at a conference, which um, I kind of like in one way because it means I get to come and just be myself with nothing to prove. But then on the other hand, it feels like sometimes women have a lot to prove. We have a lot of ground to take on before people even maybe are willing to listen to us in certain contexts. Um, I often hear women talking about like, hey, if you're going to speak, you got to be prepared. You got like almost like you got to double prepare. You got to yeah. like you, you have something to prove because people don't necessarily expect you to be up there, which I'm like, obviously is, is tender on one hand. But then on the other yeah. hand, I think exciting that there is room and space. But I definitely can feel the tension of my role. You 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 teach your we are um, alike in this way. We both have a teaching gift. But we, but we actually sit in the office of a prophet, yeah, which is interesting, right? And so I, I hear you saying that sometimes as a woman, it's easier to take on the role of a prophet in, in, a, in religious culture. And I'm talking about like using religious as a, not in a bad way. Yeah. Because we see prophetesses or prophets, depending on what version of the Bible you use actually, <laughs> Because the, the New American Standard actually has a, a title, Prophetess. Wow. So depending on what version of the Bible. But you, it's easier maybe for you to stand in that role because there's several named prophets who are women in the yes. Bible, right? And then you have this Paul's exhortation about, I don't allow women to teach. So it's like, oh, it's okay for them to be prophets, so, right? That's exactly it. So they, there's, there's room for actually the office as a woman mm-hmm. because it's very explicit in the Bible. But your view on women teaching really depends on how you interpret the scripture and the cultural context of that time. And if people aren't looking through the cultural context of females as teachers, they're really limiting women to only certain avenues to, to communicate yeah. In the, in the spiritual life of a church. I'm really interested in, you know, you are overseeing now our third-year program. So 
You're one, you are one of our very senior overseers. So if people don't know our structure, like Haley would be one of three or four senior leaders of our entire structure. What part of your prophetic gift and governmental office, how does that play out in your daily operations? Yeah. Like what is your, you know, you know what I'm saying to me? Absolutely. When I think of teacher, I'm like, oh, I can figure that out. Like you're teaching truth, you're teaching. How does the prophetic mantle on you translate to something that you do every day? I understand it's a, it's a, it's who you are, but yes. the application of it. Absolutely. Like what does it look like? What's even interesting is I'm, I've taken, I've stepped into this role where a pastor, governmental fivefold pastor was standing. So when I'm doing the transition from role to role, he's sharing with me his values, how he was leading, and I recognize his fivefold governmental pastoral role because it's very focused on one-on-one meetings, the care for the people, um, taking care of the ones that are struggling, a lot of focus on the flock. Yeah. Whereas as a prophet, of course you care for people. Of course you, you think about people, but your service to the flock is different than a pastoral. A pastor's coming as a shepherd of a flock. A prophet's coming with giving. We're looking for God's vision. So we're given God's heart and God's eyes. And so we're, we're carrying future vision. We're looking ahead and going, where are we taking these sheep? And how do we get them into what God is drawing us into as an environment? Yeah. And so as a prophet, it's very like I'm there to equip the saints to hear God. So I want to connect people to the voice of God for the current time to shepherd them towards health within what the Lord is speaking. You know, it says that a word spoken in the right season are like apples of gold laden with silver. It also spoke about the sons of Issachar. They knew the signs of the time. And I think as prophets, we become most valuable as leaders when we understand the time we're in and we're connecting people to that time and how to operate within that time. So that's a lot how I think. I think one other thing that, that um, I've kind of been thinking about recently as a prophet, I was thinking about when Saul was going after David and David runs and hides in the company of the prophets. And, and, the, wow. and the prophets, wow. there you go. they shield David. Yeah. And, um, and anyone that came to to um, pursue David and take him from, because Saul was really mad, wanted to kill him. They came under the influence of the power of God and they began to prophesy and they couldn't harm David. And then Saul even comes, who's like struggling with evil spirit. He's, he's under like radical oppression. And then Saul ends up coming under the same anointing that the prophets came under. He's prophesying and it's completely protecting David. And I think one thing that the prophets do is they protect what God values. Wow. We carry the heart of God and we, we become a shield for that which God values. And I think that as a leader and a prophet, we do shepherd, but we shepherd as a shield. We, we bring truth. We almost come like a sword sometimes with mm-hmm. the word of God to separate um, things that are maybe um, f- flesh culture versus spiritual culture. And, we get to, and I think prophets come in to discern the time so, and to shield what mm-hmm. God cares about. Do you think that there is a difference in the role of a female prophet? And I, I don't have a preconceived answer of this, by the way. Yeah. So this is just a question that came to my mind just now. Like, do you think there is a difference in the role? I'm not so much talking about the scriptural role, because I, I believe the answer to that question is between men. Like, a, a prophet and a prophetess, would there be a difference in their role? And I think scripturally I would say, as you just said, like even translations, some translations don't even use the word prophetess. So the answer scripturally is no, they, they both have the same role. But do you think practically that a matriarch 
who's a prophet would have a different, is there any difference in yeah. the way that you would activate the body, protect the body? You just talked about protecting the body. Is there any difference in your, in your mind? I think what's, you know, in Colossians, the mystery of the gen- to the Gentiles, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Jesus is revealed through an earthen vessel, through a little clay jar, Second Corinthians. Like this is, Jesus is choosing to make himself revealed through earthen vessels. So to think that me as a woman, that, that God revealed through my life would look the same as God revealed through your life as a man would be the same, I think is a misstep. In understanding now obviously there's overlaps yep i agree with you so i think our role our roles as mm. prophets are to equip the saints to hear the voice of god how the lord permeates through me and this is something i've had to kind of accept i always thought like as i became more of a leader something would change in me i would i would like i don't know maybe i just become more amazing or something and the more i realized like oh god just anoints people and he wants me as me. He's not trying to change yep. me. He's going to move through my personhood, which is honestly so profound and a little bit offensive sometimes to me. Like, surely you could have picked someone better, God. And he's like, no, actually, I long to move through people, just like he longs through to move through our audience. Like, yeah. talking about cultural catalysts, God wants to move through us. He designed us. He made us. Yep. He's not trying to um, alter us into a different person. He's trying to develop us into the best person we can be. And so as a woman, I'm a mom. Moms think differently to dads. My, my husband is a fantastic father. He's home with our kids a lot. No matter how long he's home with my children, he never becomes a mother. Yeah. He's always a father. Yeah. And actually, I think I... That's I, offensive to culture right now, right? Because they're like, you can have two moms or two dads. And I, we're not going that way, but I'm saying there's an overview of like, no, they're interchangeable. Well, yeah, and no matter how nurturing my husband becomes, he never becomes a mother. He still doesn't know how much Tylenol to give my youngest child. Yeah. He still has to text me and go, well, how much is Ash getting now if he, you know, if he's stealing yeah. or something? Because as a mother, there's certain things I'm just naturally aware of. And my husband, I, I tell you what, he is fantastic. He's very tenderhearted. Yeah. But he just doesn't become a woman. And I think that God wants to reveal himself through the different fivefold ministries, but through male and female, young and old. Um, different cultures, I think there's unique lenses we all carry. And as a mother and a prophet, I uniquely, I think I uniquely mother through the prophetic. And I think you father, you know, yeah. my, my son's climbing a tree and I'm going, oh, don't fall, be careful. And my husband's like 50 steps away going, go bird, you can do it. And I'm like, <laughs> ah, that's about us. It's, we think yeah. differently, but when we come together in unity, we get a really bold and courageous son who's also safe and protected and given empathy and connection. And I think the Lord is wanting to reveal through really the good. fivefold, and we're talking about prophets specifically, his heart is made manifest in family, which is male and female. And I've, God's described as a mother hen in Isaiah. Yeah. Like he, he's, he, I'm not saying he's female. I'm just saying he no, has he's no problem. El Shaddai, which is the, means the multi-breasted one. And women were made, uh, you know, when God, in Genesis 1, he, cre- he created, he said, let's make man in our image and in our likeness. He created them male and female. He created them. So he didn't make man in his image and woman not in his image. So therefore, That's if it. men and women are different, then obviously the, there is a female and male side of God, so to speak. Yeah. And like, there's a representation, like he yeah. wants to be represented in the fullness of who he is. and. I mean, the, the, the Trinity in itself is yeah. triune, 
three and one. He moves in full unison, but has actually distinctive um, ways that he operates in that in that oneness. Yes, yeah, that's so good. And he chooses to represent that in the church family. That's why we're one body under one head, one spirit. There's a unity that the Lord longs for us to come into. And I think it's being attacked, honestly, right now in culture with the depiction of the family is actually the way that I believe God wants to reveal himself. It's a deconstruction of the family. I'm going to bridge something I've never bridged with you before. So we, we can we can even cut this out. We'll <laughs> just say that live. <laughs> your, you are, your husband's more the stay home uh, um, what's the right word? He he's stay home dad, and you're the f- full time mom. Now he works, but he he works from home. Yeah, and he's he's home uh, five days a week or four days a week more than you are with the kids, and you are the person who goes to work like the forty hour a week person who's yeah. actually out of the home. So which would be a role reversal for many people. Yeah. Uh, T- tell me about that. Tell me how it, how that, how you, because you grew up in more of traditional family. Absolutely. So how did you get there? How does your husband see that role? Because what you do is so profoundly important. What he does is so profoundly important. And I know you to be a fantastic mom. So it has not affected your your motherhood. But you couldn't have done it without him feeling the conviction that this was how you were to. Yeah. Uh, structure your family for these these early years of your family yeah so um i'm gonna try to do my best here i i grew up in a very more traditional culture view of men and women and actually when i had my first two kids i was working part-time and he was working full-time but he wasn't thriving and neither was i and we were trying to fit into these molds that we thought we were supposed to be doing and one day we were sitting down, his, his father had been diagnosed with cancer, he was burnt out, and I was being burnt out because I was trying to fit a quite intensive ministry weight into a small amount of, smaller amount yeah, of hours, yes. and I actually felt like I was struggling to give my best to my children and my job. I was, And we sat down one day, and we just sensed the Lord asking us if we would trust Him to switch. And uh, Was it, that a hard conversation? Or was it just a beautiful Holy Spirit conversation? It was actually pretty beautiful for us. Uh-huh. I'm sure for some it has been hard. Yeah. Um, the way Ryan and I operate, it, it, I'm really grateful that we both hear God really simultaneously. Often yeah. he'll have dreams. I'll get a word. And so we just realized we're not thriving. Um, and we felt the Lord inviting us to trust him. And so we made the shift. He went to being freelance. in his. He's in yeah. editing and film. Um, the Lord told us not to advertise him and not to do any kind of promotion. And so it was a big trust journey for us. Yeah. Um, but we worked out our finances that we could live off of my salary. Um, and we just decided to trust God. And we have watched God radically bless us. Um, we put a few fleeces out and, and total, the Lord just met us each step of the way. And every time we think, okay, is it time to advertise? Or the Lord would say, no, trust me. I want to be, I want to be that for Ryan. And, um, we just have a value and we could have both gone to work full time, but we actually had a value for being home with our children. Yeah. And so I was trying to navigate that and the Lord just gave us a plan. And so, um, there are times where I flex because he's got a big project yeah, of course. and there's times where he flexes because I've got something big for me. And what the thing that has amazed me the most, if I'm really honest, is I didn't realize how powerful fathers were mm-hmm. for little children. 
And so um, powerful. I feel like almost our men have been robbed a little bit by a previous mentality that men don't know what to do with little children. You should see, it makes me emotional, you should see yeah. my daughter with yeah. my husband. Yeah. That little girl is going to grow up so secure in herself because she has had an opportunity to be adored by her daddy, by a man that's given her affection and attention from young. And my children, I think, are thriving more than what they would have been if it had just been highly emphasized on me. Wow. And I want to tell you, like, I snuggle with my children every morning. Yeah, I adjust my schedule to pick them up from school some days, and I'll work after they go to sleep sometimes. We, we build not around yeah. a form, but actually we navigate our children's hearts. Yeah. And that's how we choose to parent is through connection and through being – and, yeah, I would just say – there is something on fatherhood right now. Yeah. And I feel like even for the our people that are prophetic watching, sometimes the Lord will model through a prophet's life yeah. what he's actually wanting to bring forth, I think. I was hoping you were going to go there. Yeah. And I actually feel like my husband's starting a podcast about being a father. because the So he lost his father in the middle of staying home with our children part-time. Wow. And he had an incredible revelation. And the Lord began to father my husband while he fathered our children in the loss of his own father. And his understanding of the value of fatherhood has been magnified in the season. And I, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know that the Lord was teaching something to us that I believe is going to become a message to the world, which is not, hey, follow our example, do what we're doing. Yeah. It's not moms go home, moms don't it's stay home. It's not follow the structure, it's follow the heart. That's exactly like, and yeah. we might shift in a coming season. Yeah. It's not about a structure. It's about we're following the Lord mm. as he shepherds our family. And you have a Down syndrome daughter. Yes. So this is, I just, I say that because some people are like, well, you don't know my kids. It's like, no, you, you guys have your normal challenges of everyday yes. life. And you have a Down syndrome daughter who's actually really well adjusted yes. and lives a happy life. But, so happy. but, but. But not easy, not an easy beginning yeah. w with her. You know, um, I think of, um, so I grew up in a very traditional Spanish home where the husband ruled and the wife was subservient, you know. And so it, I think that this role that you guys are playing out where he, right now he stays home more of the work time than you do is, you know, very, very different for me. Uh, but, uh, but I think about how, um, you know, in Ephesians 5, where, um, where Paul writes, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and laid down his life for her. I think it's interesting to me because what I hear emphasized in religious culture is wives submit. Like, that seems to be shouted. And husbands die seems to be really played down. Yeah. And yet... That's all in the same passage. They're, they're, they're told first to submit to one another, then wives submit to your husbands, then husbands lay down your lives for your, for your wives. And it feels to me like in, in the culture that, that I grew up in, even the church culture, which was mostly healthy church culture I grew up in, it's you marry me and I decide what we're doing with our life. And your job is to serve my career. You give up your career for me. And yet, it's interesting because if I just read the Ephesians passage, which is often about women submitting, I'm saying, emphasize, yeah. 
I'm like, well, it looks to me like the husband's the one laying down his life for the bride. Yeah. And yet we're emphasizing what doesn't feel like is emphasized. Like, woman, submit. Not man, give up your your life. And I'm like, how do you give up your life if you're if you're not pouring yourself into your into your your family, into your wife, and you're saying, baby, you're what God's called you to is every bit as important as what He's called me to. Yeah. And how we arrange our timeline around the age of our children, the needs of our kids, the needs of our family, like as you said, it, it may it may change because the goal isn't. You do your career, and I'll support you. The goal is we do family together. Yeah. And I just think it's beautiful that, and I know your husband, he's a beautiful person. I think it's beautiful that he sees the call in your life. Yeah. And he goes, equally as important as mine. Yeah. And I think it creates a unique dynamic in our marriage where we're not actually trying to serve I'm not trying to serve my call and he's not trying to serve his call. We're actually trying to serve our call That's what I'm as saying. a family. And I, even when I get invited to go out to ministry and to travel, I don't go and go, this is what I'm called to, so I get to do this. I go, hey, I have these invites. We pray about them. We actually go, as a family, what are we called to? And all of our invites flow through the funnel of what we're called to as a family. And if it doesn't feel like it serves what we're called to as a family then I don't go. And and uh, Ryan and I, it's, I mean, it requires quite a lot of vulnerability because yeah. you have to share your needs. You have to share what you're feeling. Authenticity, honesty. Yeah, we have to be honest. We have to wrestle through things together. But ultimately, there have been so many times where I'm like, I actually, if I need to adjust this, I won't go. Like if you're not coming alive, remember once I went on a trip, we thought everything was fine and my baby decided to just not sleep. And... I was like, I'll fly home. I'll, and instead, we just we got some help for two nights until I got home. And but I, after that trip, I said I won't go for the next few months until we know that this is going to work out yeah. for you. And I think the most important thing, and this feels vulnerable to me because mm. a lot of people have a lot of opinions. But if we're talking about cultural catalysts, I really believe that those that are going to catalyze, which means really push forward and accelerate what is already happening, those who bring acceleration into culture are those who are willing to live an authentic and vulnerable life yeah. and aren't trying to structure guards around ourselves so we never have to be bare before one another, but actually where we're, we're going, actually, this is who I am and this is how I bring the fullness of me into what the environments I'm invited to. Well, we are talking about, the, I mean, the goal of this entire podcast and webcast that we're doing from the very beginning was like, we want to bring cultural catalysts on that are actually catalyzing kingdom culture. And the reason why this was really interesting to me is because I see you doing it successfully. I see some other women and men not doing it successfully. And I'm like, this can be done successfully. Yeah. And it, I, I love what you're saying because it isn't the structure that's making it successful. And I know that because I know you, and I yeah. and I and I am and I'm and I know him. So I'm like, what's making it successful is that you have honest communication, yeah. that you're connected, and you're laying down your lives for one another. Yeah. And I just want to say this: I actually believe in biblical submission. I believe we oh, submit to one another. Totally. So I just want to. I think a lot of people think when you're a powerful woman, it just means you're a big bulldozer, and that you wear the pants in your family. Actually. 
I yield to my husband. Yeah. I actually yield to his will because I love him. And he is so willing to lay down his life for me. I actually fiercely want to protect him because of how willing he is to die for me. So good. I, I fiercely protect his heart and him thriving because I don't want him to die. I want him to thrive. And a lot of people, because I'm, I'm quite publicly in the ministry, they don't realize that the favor on Ryan's life right now in his role and in what he is called to do, I believe he's a Joseph to this generation, which is he's affecting media. Yeah, It's more behind the scenes, but it is powerful. And he's walking in immense favor. It's just not as visible. But we as a family, we don't live for visibility. We live to impact for a generation we won't see. I'm not, I'm not living for my own name. I'm living for eternity going, how do our lives as a family, as the Braun family, how do we impact a generation that we won't see? How are we building something that will go beyond our lifetime? And even when I travel, my kids bless me. They pray for me. My family sends me because we believe that this is the call of God in our family and we do it together. And I think that, I think this is really powerful, one of the most powerful webcasts we've ever had because I think there are a lot of people struggling because they won't yield to a new strategy or structure because they were raised in in a traditional, you know, and I'm using traditional not in a great way, but in a way to say like in a culture that says this is your role and you'll, you'll play it this way. This is the way it has to be played out. And yet it's not, it's not working. It's not, it's, you know, and, um, and I think that the way you're living is actually a prophetic declaration to not just to women, but to men and women, to husbands and wives, to children, that there may be another way. Like yeah. there may be, well, have you thought through the structure and strategy of your very yeah. family? And have you, have you, or have you, have you just copied what someone else is doing? Yeah. And so I think it's it's really powerful what you're doing, and uh, and I I know that you're super successful. I think a lot of people think unity is achieved through agreement, but true unity is really achieved under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And Jesus' prayer was God that they would be one as we are one, and I believe that there is a a, a submission and a yielding when we actually choose to yield to the Lord, that it becomes a flow more than a a structure because Jesus. The Son of God, the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they are unafraid to yield to one another and to flow. And they're also unafraid to be strong when, they're, when, it's, when they exactly. are to be strong. You know, Jesus was fully dependent on the voice of the Father and allowed the power of the Holy Spirit to flow through his life, not doing anything independently. And I think there's something for this generation. I really believe it to learn about the power of the Holy Spirit for us to yield and submit to one another, not just in husband-wife structure, in church structure, in leadership, in understanding that it's not about a one-man show. It's about a body yielded to the Lord that are actually wanting to serve and push forward one another because we're recognizing the anointing of God, not just the structure that we think fits best. That's so beautiful. You know, um, Proverbs 31 is probably the most popular most well-known verses around the role of a beautiful wife. Yes. And I would challenge anyone who's listening to this webcast and you're like, well, where is that in the Bible? Like women working outside the home. And I'm like, go read Proverbs 31. Like she considers a field and buys it. <laughs> she, she, she's also making clothes and fabric. 
Her husband brags about her in the gates. I mean, when you read the list of things she's accomplishing over a year, she's like, that is definitely a full-time job, and that woman is not just at home. And when they describe her, that word chayil that they use for her, is it's actually a warlike term. They're describing a woman warrior in that whole. And when they talk about they talk about the fivefold government, they talk about how she actually wields government. It's not just physical government. It's the fivefold government that she's wielding in her hands. It's, it's, it's such a fascinating... I've studied that passage. It is so fascinating how they're describing a warrior woman. Not, you know, even when... when You're in, scaring me. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I, I hope know. my wife doesn't... You know, I mean, she's already, goes she hunting, likes so guns. I know. But even in, in Genesis, when he says, Let's make, we're going to make a helper, we have decreased that word helper mm-hmm. to a, a doormat. But actually, that word helper is used to describe God towards Israel far more times. Yeah, 13 times for God, three times for uh, for Eve. Yeah, and there, and I'm like, that helper was a helper in war. Yeah. That was when God came to aid Israel in war. And I'm like, this is it. This is a, a partner that comes alongside. I come alongside my husband to forward and advance the kingdom of God, and we make space and room for our gift mixes in that. Man, we got okay. We got to okay. do this we'll again. Wrap up, okay. We got to wrap <laughs> it up, but I, but I I like to do a part two because I think I mean I'd love to talk more about this because the family is being deconstructed. Yeah. And often it's being deconstructed. In, in some instances, it's being deconstructed because there is a, a feminist kind of a spirit. And, and I think that the feminist spirit is often the side effects, the cultural side effects of, of husbands who are not laying down their lives. And also for people who are not creating structure around love and care, but around tradition and, and, and um, you know, religion. Yeah, and so I think this is a great subject to bridge. Maybe we maybe we pick up Proverbs yeah. thirty one next time, and hey, let's okay. talk through what this could look like because yeah. I think this is freeing a lot of women to go, man. I you know I think I think I am called to be you know more of the uh, have a role shift yeah. and still be fully alive as a as a wife and a, and a mom. Yeah. You know, just I know we need to wrap up. Yeah, but as great. I was driving here, I saw a picture of a tool belt. Yeah. And I felt the Lord, um, and I, was, I didn't know how I was going to tie in today, but I, I now know. I felt the Lord say that tools are meant to be used as tools and not as weapons. And I was like, oh, God, I wonder how that's going to tie in today. I think one thing as we talk about this and we're encouraging women and men that tools are not supposed to be used as weapons. So even as we're talking about this, this yes. doesn't become a weapon against our spouse, a weapon against our leaders. It becomes a tool that when used rightly, it builds up. Um, and it actually builds a structure for all people to find so safety in. Good. But if I take a tool and I use it as a weapon, I can actually kill someone with a hammer. Yes. But that's not what it was designed to do. It was designed to build something of value, of safety, a place for people to come in. And when we talk about this, because of pain sometimes, we can begin to wield tools as weapons. And I just encourage anyone that's listening to yeah. this, this isn't something that we want to weaponize. This is something you want to learn how God made this so that we can build a structure for the people of God to come in, to live, to be safe, to thrive. And so that's, I just felt like the Lord kind of highlighted that to me because sometimes as women, we're like, it's our time. And that's some of the the feminist agenda, which I don't want to kill all of that. Like it obviously gave women voting rights, but there's a, can be a, a spirit that comes through our pain where we begin to fight for our rights instead of fight to build Build what God wants to build. That's beautiful. And so that's just what I want. Why don't you let's let's finish in prayer? Why don't okay. you lead us in prayer? 
Yeah. God, we, we love you and we love how you designed us. Lord, I thank you that none of this mm -hmm. is new to you, that you fashioned women with great intent and you, you built man with great intent and you built them together to reveal your heart and your nature to a world longing to know you. And God, I pray, Lord, that what has been spoken today, that it would be used mm -hmm. as a tool in our hands, God, that it would be used to build up, to build up the church, God, to bring reformation where, where the yep. enemy is sought to tear down, God, that would come to bring reformation. We would mm. reform your heart so in good. society. Um, by carrying forth your will. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and speak to us, to come and teach us, to open our eyes and our ears to your tender voice that is leading us and guiding us. Lord, I pray for covering over marriages and over families. God, I pray for covering over prophets and people who are, who are walking in the call. Lord, I pray that we would be a true manifestation of your kingdom on earth as we love people and we love you. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Haley, thank you so much for being on. Such a privilege. I love you so much. Love you too. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you want to find out more, read my blog or listen to the previous podcast episodes. Go to chrisvelton.com. Have an awesome day.